Perfect. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? It is Rebet. Welcome to Rebet Live. Uh, back to back today, a whole bunch. And we have um, founder for Flossy.com. It is Janine Crossan. How are you? Dorina. I'm pretty good. I'm covered uh, free. <laughs> your Facebook, your videos, your documentation of your journey over the last month has been stuffed. So crazy. For those yeah. who don't know, um, what happened this last month? <laughs> Uh, wow, <laughs> I, I had a really big month. Um, so uh, I was in London and um, the COVID situation suddenly impacted all businesses and every meeting I had got cancelled um, or rescheduled their Zoom. Uh, so I was sitting in my Airbnb going, why am I still here? And I uh, decided to take a flight home the next day um, and uh, was before the lockdown rules had come into place or even the self-isolation for getting back into the country. So um, what, date, what date was this? This was the 18th of March. Yep. And um, got to Doha and called the husband. I think the right thing to do would be, would be for me to self-isolate. I just think it seems the smart thing to do. Um, seeing as I've been in the Petri dish of, of London. And husband's walking in in the middle of the life process, say hi. <laughs> um, and um, then, um, so I drove straight to the Coromandel to a little hut and um, back to the beach down there. Um, and uh, yeah, and I was there 24 hours um, and then I started to get sick. Um, thought I was probably just jet lagged and quite anxious because suddenly the world was imploding around me. Um, and uh, then the health line were finally able to get through to them and said, right, you need to get out of isolation where you are because I was so isolated. I was in, in the middle of nowhere um, and made my way back up to Auckland. Husband hired a camper van, put it in the driveway, <laughs> and I stayed in there and got a test, first test back um, positive as patient number 37. Did they do the, no the nose thing? Is that how they did it? Yeah, it's not very comfortable. It's pretty unpleasant. Um, and uh, next day I ended up in hospital. I had three nights in hospital. Um, and then uh, I was at home. I think another week went by, 10 days. Started to feel a bit better. I had two full days without COVID. Well, at least I thought. I had two symptom-free days. And so I was let out of uh, the camper van and um, into the house. And then I got sick again. I got a bounce back. What was the, what were the, what were the symptoms? Second time round wasn't as bad as the first. So first time round, sore throat, mega headache, uh, and the cough was just out of control. Um, breathless, you know, really struggling to get enough air in. Um, but I was fine. My oxygen levels were okay. They just kept me in hospital because that cough was just, it was pretty insane. It was making me pee myself and vomit. So. Right up there was nice. I call it the over forties COVID. As we cough too much, um, and then the second time round, it was migraines and um, and the cough, but uh, not the throat. So same test. Uh, same test. Yeah, I had two tests. So did you? So it went and came back, or you had it the whole time, and just the symptoms changed, or whatever. Yeah, it was back about ten percent. Of people can get it again, so it's yeah. more like here. You've got immunity, 
is um, still currently along lines of bullshit. Nobody knows. Um, and uh, we don't know whether I had got it again or whether I just hadn't got rid of it. Um, I don't know. I was really, really, really run down. Um, I had been completely driving myself insane in London, going crazy. So I think my body just immune system was really low and it just jumped on. Had you been um, logistically, had you been traveling quite a bunch before then? Long hours, gnarly, tapped, bad eating, party booze. What, what, were, you, what were you doing <laughs> before that? <laughs> well, you were flying all. <laughs> I actually, for the first time in quite a few years, I was actually not in party mode. Because uh, <laughs> London is pretty good for that. Yeah. I, yep. <laughs> uh, no, I was in really hardcore uh, work mode. And I don't know if you saw the We Want Women video um, starring Claire Chittam, but we had just dropped that um, the week earlier. So I was doing like, 22 hour days because it was going crazy here in New Zealand. Uh, of course, time zones weren't exactly friendly and doing lots of media interviews and dealing with the social media storm and all the rest of it. Yeah, Plus, do you want to, you want to jump, <laughs> let's jump there for a second. How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've, you've had just like such the gnarly flipping two, oh, two yeah. months of carnage. Like, we haven't talked about the business shit yet. Okay, yeah. so let's jump back to the, the video. The intent of the video was dot, 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 and then what happened was dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so I watched Cynthia Nixon video that she had done, and um, which was pretty harrowing, and I kind of got to the other side of watching that and felt quite angry. Uh, and I sat down and I wrote a, a version for female founders um, of what it's like for us, and then I showed it to Claire. <laughs> And it was like at nine o'clock at night, I'd showed it to Claire. She's my best friend. Um, and I'd said to her, I think we should turn this into a video and just have you do a piece to camera. Um, and I think it would be really interesting. And let's see if we can rope in some other founders. and Text, um, text the mates this time, this place. Giddy up. Yep. Pretty much. And uh, overnight, that's exactly what she did. She got in touch with Sam member at Flying Fish, and they were like, we'll do it. We're happy to do it, you know, pro bono, which is good because we have no money. Um, and they texted a bunch of their friends and said, hey, turn up at 5 o'clock and we'll, we'll film it. So by the time I got back out of bed the next morning, I was like, all oh, this was up, got under, underway. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> too fast, Claire, too fast. I mean, I say too fast, that's saying quite a lot because I go quite fast. And, um, and so, so we did it. And um, first version was just stunning. Uh, I was so blown away by just how beautiful it was. And it, it went viral very, very quickly. Um, I don't. I, I couldn't tell you how many views it's had because it's just been picked up and sent in so many different directions and different versions of it. So um, it was crazy. Uh, and then the next day, we realised that we hadn't been as inclusive as, as we would have liked to have been. Um, and it wasn't from lack of intent. Lots of people have been asked, but because it would have been such a short turnaround, um, not everybody we'd asked had turned up. And so what we got was what we got. Uh, but it became one of those things that suddenly changed because everyone thought it was a video that had been corporately cast and considered and <laughs> it was like none of those things had happened. Um, there was no money. It wasn't an ad. It was a, it was a poem being read. <laughs> and But we decided to wear that and uh, took it on the chin and said, you know what, we can do better. And I think we should. And if that's how we want men to act when they're called out for not being inclusive, then we should be doing it too. Um, and so we turned around and uh, did 
did a reshoot and pulled in some really amazing women. I got to meet people I, to be honest, hadn't heard of before. They went to my circle. Um, so I was really lucky uh, to do that. Uh, and then the COVID stuff hit. Uh, and basically just the news agenda completely changed. So we uh, made, a, made a decision to put it live, but not make a big deal and just go, hey, we're going to beat up on anyone. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I've seen this play out a couple of times before. And, and the bit that I always, it's very easy to see the, the reactionary wagon of the masses. It's mm. not too often that they stop for a second and actually ask the intent and the actual nuts and bolts of how things actually put together. And so it no. kind of feels that, you, you know, you'd, um, intent was right, execution uh, from the optics obviously off, but that wasn't the intent. And I always have this thing of like, as long as the intent's right, stuff the rest. Like, mm. I, I kind of, I'm like really kind of non-emotive about it because I know what the, the intent was. But in saying that, when there is platform, it comes with almost a greater sense of like, well, you know, it's this it's this weird funky thing of like um, like privilege and responsibility. Someone wrote, wrote this thing and showed me about how this thing works. And I was like, I'd never thought of it this, the same way. And you say, you know, with great, um, mm. you know, responsibility of this, this, it's a privilege and it circles back around. You need to be able to understand and see that. What do you... What did you learn? No, you kind of learned shit because you tried, right? <laughs> and you just got smoked. And then, hey, so I, I wrote a uh, blog on it. I read the blog I did directly after, which was um, We Can Do Better. And um, someone schooled me on it. Someone said, hang on a minute, you don't get to go. We invited lots of people and they just didn't turn up. That's what guys say to women all the time when it comes to speaking on panels or seminars we go oh look there's 99 percent men and no women are but we not we ask what they're they called cassie roma calls them mannels yeah, yeah and i talk about that a lot and go hey you should try harder and so i you know i pushed really hard on that one back to sam and claire um you know i made their life slightly difficult for a couple of days um so guys uh, girls actually <laughs> it's really important when we can see it that um we do better and that's okay to admit that. Um, that was feedback. From the that. feedback was phenomenal. I rang because it, it, it was actually just a, one Instagram post on Flying Fishes, um, uh, their Instagram, that a bunch of people kind of piled on. You know, it's always the people's Hooper. It's always people's. And she loves doing a good pile on. Um, and that was probably the only one I found really hard because hers was all very much uh, an attack. And whereas everybody else was up for discussion, and one person put it to me, when you see it, it's on you to now increase your circle to ensure that more people are being pulled up with you because you're all about paying it forward and pulling people up. And increase the circle, I like that. Yeah, and so that's yeah. um, And that's the view I took on it too. And lots of people were going, you, you know, the intent was right, you don't need to. I'm like, no, no, we do. This is what we have to do and we will do this and um, it will be hard. It will be frustrating and it will be lots of things, but you know what? It's going to be beautiful. Because that, that, that's the danger when it's the, the personal view, but potentially if there's not naivety or lack of double thought around the fact that you're actually a platform with the voice that you have, that's the danger, right? That's when it can get kind of tricky to, to navigate and balance that. So in, in some ways it probably makes you elevate out to see how you actually perceived in the actual impact and obviously that the Rolodex of who you can pull and call. So, but, um, yeah, yeah kind of, good news. But so, I mean, I was asleep <laughs> and it was literally Sam and, and Claire asking out all, all their friends where they could come along and they, they asked lots of different people and lots of different people couldn't make it because it was a, a very short turnaround um, sort of thing. 
and it was it was meant for founders. It wasn't meant for every woman. However, what changed for us once that went live is that every woman watched it and recognised something in their own career. So it really didn't necessarily have a lot to do with founders in the end. And that was where we had to realise that it had changed shape and we had to um, keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, to pivot radically with speed. Yeah. So, so you basically had a PR good intent slash mini gong show into global travel, totally tapped commercial work into uh, <laughs> self-entrapment in a camper van into hospital twice with with the old case of the old COVID-19 all in two months. Yeah, um, we haven't even got... I touched the sides on what work was like. Um, yes, so let's go there. So, so, so for those those who don't know, maybe give a quick um a, a quick little context to the the actual the actual I guess business or commercial sides of what you're in, involved with. Yeah, sure. So, so Powered by Flossie is um, a software company, and we work with large network partners in the United Kingdom who have massive salon networks, um, and they are able to take our software and um, help many thousands of salons utilize our software as a way to make bookings easier. So it was a pivot out of Flossie.com in New Zealand where we have our marketplace, um, which is purely a testing marketplace for us. We don't use it for any revenue gain or anything else. Um, and that software now powers up some of the biggest networks in the world, which is pretty cool, which I spent three years bloody hard work um, getting those across the line and um, we were just at the absolute perfect moment where we'd finally found the investment that we needed up there, which was really, really hard graft doing invest um, capital raising in London as a total unknown entity. Um, and uh, so I just just finished doing that. We've got some in due diligence, which is fantastic. Uh, and all the networks are on board. We're just about to go live with the first um, first first one, and then all the salons closed with COVID. Um, however, we're you know we're sitting in a pretty good position um, for digitising an entire network, uh, and so our partners, if anything, are going the opposite. They're going faster, not slow, because the world will change up the other side of this, or has changed, and and how we treat going to the hair salon is going to change quite substantially. There's going to be a need for a lot more transparency around hygiene and um, best practice. This is a really unregulated market like that, so um, our tools can help give customers ease that so they're in, they're in good hands because um, my personal belief is that people's bubbles will um, kind of not really break. We'll just expand some people into it. Trust is going to change. And, uh, yeah, so so we're going hard on that, but now I can do it from here as opposed to from in London. <laughs> At least you're on the, the camper van again. But I was going to ask you about that because obviously when, when it came down that the lockdown was going to come in place and obviously different parts of the world was going at different sort of timings, the second it jumped up to go to where it would be shutdown mode, services like that, it's something which you can't really take virtual overnight, right? So talk me through like the thinking of those in the industry when that was going to happen. Um, I think the uh, protectionism is really what came into play for um, the networks I work with. They, you know, are um, substantial and they have like 10,000 each within their salon networks. And so their their goal is to keep those salons alive. And um, the best way to do that was just to follow best practice and close, make it easier for them to handle um, wages, subsidies and, uh, you know, rent relief and, payment terms for 
product suppliers, et cetera, just so that they can stay alive. But, but I, my gut feels it will probably lose 30% of the industry. It's, yeah, it's, it's inevitable. J- j- just just the, the cash flow that they can't see to the other side of, of, of rent and payments and whatever might be in the bank or? We're going to have a couple of months of rent-free, sorry, not rent-free, revenue-free, and all the rest of your bills are going to pile up. Now, some people will have great landlords who give them some sort of rent relief, but most of them will still have bills that are sort of stockpiling and stockpiling. So it's going to take them a lot to come back from that, um, and I don't think it's going to be like the last recession where everybody kind of comes out of their bubbles and comes running and dashing at their hairdresser at uh, a thousand miles an hour. I know that's what everybody wants to believe is going to be true, but if you haven't had COVID as yet, um, I think you'll find that you're actually still pretty weary. So you won't be changing hair salons. You'll be very careful about where you go. Um, I think a lot of services that are in your face will change. So things like lashes and brows and all those kind of really close up things might suffer quite a lot. I think nail places are going to get absolutely hammered. Um, I, don't, I think a lot of people will just go with the nails anymore. So hygiene standards are going to be really crucial. Here inevitably does well because people are vain enough to go, I, you know, this lovely patch of grey. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, a lovely patch of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we're, 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 you know, we're sexual beings and uh, our hair is quite um, attached to uh, how we, pro- you know, project ourselves and our self-image, et cetera, and attraction and all those sorts of things. So I think hair will do okay. It's just the businesses that haven't been necessarily well run, which unfortunately a lot in the industry are like that. They live, um, you know, week to week. Uh, Cashies. Yep. Yeah, totally. And they're usually behind on... Um, you know, tax payments and just there's a lot of poor business practices that happen. But even the really, really well-run ones are hurting right now. Um, they're trying to keep their teams um, together, but they're struggling to do so, even with wage subsidies. So, yeah, it's sad, but we will. We will see a big uh, drop-off off from the bottom, but I also think we'll see quite a lot of rolling up. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask about that because in other different services at the moment, there's been a, quite a few roll-up little plays at the moment with um, hitters that want to come up with uh, big brands and big budgets that can obviously weather the storms, but seen it as an opportunity to, to build a pretty, um, to buy distressed assets at very cheap prices, um, to buy the books, bring yeah. in different processes to be able to roll it all up. And that, there are many people that are in that sort of that, that that zone at the moment and obviously people need to get their haircuts blah, blah blah so if you were to but what's interesting it's not like say you know um a lot of other services say retail stores or, or something but with this is because it's very one-to-one intangible unscalable time and when it becomes very down to the exactly right to the lashes to the obviously i'm not the the, the biggest expert on this stuff but i know that that, that, that they're really close one-to-one contact of it how do you feel that the new I guess, future of these services will potentially, potentially go like you ever said, here's one thing, but are, are we talking like, like robot cafes, like same it is for coffee, they're going to be a similar thing Is there, you know, you used to talk about hygiene, like what's that next wave that they're thinking about when it comes to the, the future of that sort of stuff? Where's the headspace of thinking at? Well, um, I did a blog, blog on this last week around, I think what's changed is, um, uh, you know, post last recession, we saw deal sites emerge. And so, um, everybody came out of that um, broke but needing a haircut and um, all the salons were pretty desperate and so Groupons and Grab Ones all came out of that and uh, 
made it feasible for people to go on and you know get 50% off something and and that allowed them to you know get what they needed um this time around I don't think discounting is going to be enough to convince you to go and um trial something new or someone new because it's a feeling right it's a it's a yeah. Is, a, a, is it a fear, but yeah, lost trust. Yeah, it's and, and it's invisible, which is what's hard to make it. It's intangible, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so to way what I put it down to is, um, so time has changed. So, so pre-COVID, we were all going at a crazy, unsustainable pace, right? Bar no one, everybody was in the same boat. Is it all these tools and technology aimed to help us make time go? Um, make them maximize time. So it was all about convenience. You know, how do I get the, the most out of every single hour to feel like I've achieved? So there's this, there was such that kind of energy going through. Um, and now I think the currency of time has changed and we're actually who we spend it with is most important. And we're going to, that's going to matter across everything, um, be it cafes and restaurants, um, friends, um, family, hairdressers etc are all going to fall into this category of going i'm probably going to be quite selective about where i spend it um i wouldn't be surprised if you've had covid and, and if they maybe if they do manage to now this antibody tests where you can work out whether actually you potentially will be immune then that'll be the cavalier bunch they'll do whatever the hell they like but um <laughs> but anybody that hasn't had it is going to be in fear for a long time until that vaccine comes out and yeah. Um, and my gut feel is that, you know, this COVID will, there'll be another Corona-style virus probably not long after. It, this is probably going to be our new way, uh, which means everything has to change. And so for us, what we're looking at from a tech point of view is that how do we use our tech platform to help people feel um, that level of trust? And so whereas, you know, before you might see reviews that talk about hygiene and cleanliness, et cetera, a lot more depth on that. Um, here are specifically the practices that they take in, um, into, into place. There's completely cashless transactions, that there's no more reception. You won't be asked to wait around to check in or to check out. When you turn up, you're going directly to see the person who will be taking care of you. Here's what their station looks like. Here is their hygiene practices. Here is what their staff sick policies look like. So every single day, staff members check in with their bosses and they symptom check. And if you have even the remote slightest thing that or have possibility of being exposed you don't come to work um, I think we'll see the government step in to help with sick pay for that reason because of course most of our contracts are only five days that we're entitled to so people turn up to work with a cold that will not be acceptable behavior um, and same goes with um, uh, clients where um, you know it used to be 24 hours notice otherwise you lose your appointment and for pay full price um, I think it'll be a case of if you even remotely feel that there's a chance for sick Please don't come in. Please reschedule. So there will be a lot more checking and uh, double checking along the way, a lot more space within environments. So we're talking about when the levels go back down and the recommendations to our networks are that you don't bring all your staff back on, you don't do all your services, you just do essential ones only. Um, you put a lot more spacing between so a customer will never meet another customer on the way in or the way out. Just Jeez. That kind of stuff. So you, you're, yeah. you're serious about this. You think it's going to revamp every single touch point from end-to-end -end customer experience through this, these type of services? I think across every industry, it's just that this is the one I'm focused on. Um, if I was in a cafe, I'd be taking a very similar approach. Um, you know, not just about how you handle food, but how people interact with that environment. No one will just queuing up to get coffee. You'll be relying on technology, I'd suggest, to place orders, pay for orders, 
it's a great time to finally hold um, the bank's feet to the fire on um, PayWave and fees yeah, around. Go, go, yeah, so go, go there for a second. I mean, the, the re- reimagining of space, I agree with. Um, I'm intrigued with how bars are going to navigate that for nighttime, and I'm just imagining night things won't be a thing for a while. No. Um, or like that that live, I mean, even, I mean, sports are different conversation altogether considering yeah. the dynamics that they're, they're dealing with. But the the reimagining of experience for for customers, that's going to change. And it's quite it's quite interesting because you've touched on a point because obviously within the tech platform, you enable all these experiences from end to end. It's basically going to integrate tech at every single touch point through everything to eliminate all that other stuff through fear, right? So it's actually, is it going to, is it going to be at a fear-based economy? Mm-hmm. That Excellent. sucks. <laughs> it does suck, but it's also, um, I think, a reality of where we're now at is, um, think about how hard it's been to get people to take climate change seriously and to make changes in their life, even though actually that's a bigger threat to humanity than coronaviruses. But as soon as you talk about people's mortality um, and how they may well be sick or people close to them may be sick, then uh, they take it a lot more seriously. Um, so I, I just, yeah, uh, I just noticed a question come through about each therapist is, is certified COVID-free. I, I definitely think we're going to find ourselves um, in a position where someone will come up with some kind of test that enables us to prove that we um, are either covid um, free currently or have recovered or whatever our health status is. And I, my suspicion is, unfortunately, that's going to create some sort of elitism with it as well. I think there's a, there's a really, Ooh, really good... Cool. It's, yeah. It, I, it's that point more that it, it whenever these big financial things happen, it, it squeezes that gap between the haves and the have-nots. Have but this is going to be tech-driven with luxury and exclusivity and access, so it's actually going to drive it to a different... A different level, well, 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 services, but yeah, yeah. Well, before um, before COVID, in particular in places like London, um, you know, we talked about the irrelevance of a salon uh, in the future because salons weren't keeping up with technology. They were disrespecting customers' time. They were making it really difficult to make bookings. Really shitty old legacy systems. It's you know, really the, hard. The, the taxi story. Yep. Yeah, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. And but what had happened is the gig economy had taken off and. Um, therapists were going out on their own. They were joining different apps and getting the business. And, you know, so you'd have a hairstylist turn up at your place and you know, get blow dry or massage or whatever else it was going to get done. And that was absolutely going off. Um, I think it was £250 million that Urban raised. Um, so, you know, huge amounts of investment were going into these platforms. And I was doing it all the time. I, people turn up to my house because I could, you know, get my work done, have breakfast, get ready before I go to a big presentation and walk out the door like <laughs> I just walked out of salon and I hadn't spent any time in traffic or um, on the tube, walking places, you know, it was all become much easier. Now the idea of those people coming into my home and um, who I don't know, who really aren't vetted that well, uh, is, is slightly scary. Oh, and, stuff that. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's where salons now have the opportunity to prove that actually being a, a more qualified um quantifiable environment where they can give you that level of comfort um, is actually their opportunity to reinvent themselves. It's, it's a golden opportunity for them if they handle it well and they use their downtime that they've got right the second to pull their socks up and actually get with get with the program. 15% yeah. of 
um, salons in the UK only 15% use online booking. So they're pretty, Jeez. pretty yeah, they're pretty old school. But um, one of the thoughts I had on this is I wouldn't be surprised if therefore we would end up with a black market. Whereas if you can afford to pay for it, people will take the money, right? Yeah. And, yeah. So people will, will, will risk their own health to be able to feed their family. And if we're at double digit um, unemployment. They have to. And if, they're, if they're, especially if that's their own skill set. Yeah, I, I th there's a there's a really scary aspect in there for me of um, where the elite get what they want at the risk of others because they can afford to pay for it and people are desperate. And desperate times, unfortunately, don't bring out the best in human beings. Well, at a certain point, it just that tension just builds to revolt, right? But no, you're, you're, you're right. Mm. Um, so you're in an interesting spot because I guess right now, temporarily, the entire ecosystem's at zero. Mm -hmm. But the future of where it's shifting to you sit in the middle of so it's almost like you're getting punched in the face today literally and then you're getting you got you're going to be you know pretty pretty key on, on the other side of it um well okay. i was in new zealand was never our business so whilst the the flossy um dot com business here obviously is at, at zero revenue for however long you know salons are closed um the uk business had no intention of bringing revenue in for another few months until the networks were up and running so we were kind of lucky and in some ways it's bought us more time yeah. um, to kind of uh, do what we need to do. And also for me personally, I, it was a pretty tough gig living on the other side of the world for my family. Um, and, you know, some members of the family weren't overly happy with that situation any longer. Well, you're back. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Surprise, I, I brought the corona. <laughs> but I didn't infect anybody. Good. Yeah, that's... Um, Luke Farr, uh, actually, uh, Linda uh, Nowen says, uh, would love to view the video that you were talking about before. Where can we view the video and what is it called? Uh, which one's that? The We Want Woman? Yep. Um, tell me to put it up as a comment. I can find the, the link. and I Just name it and just, she can just YouTube it, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, in Vimeo. Uh, and I think it's under the Flossy channel on Vimeo. But um, I can probably find it very quickly at the same time as we're talking and just chuck it in. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Luke Farr says, uh, what was, oh, actually two things, uh, Craig Hudson, oh, Craig, such a good boss. He goes, a hell of a journey. There's a movie in your story, I reckon. I, I would not I would not disagree. <laughs> uh, and then Luke says, uh, uh, Luke Farr says, uh, what, were, what were her biggest challenges while running the NZ Girl publication? Oh, going, going to the media side. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> So for those who are unaware um, of the previous before, oh, no. Oh, we've, we lost her. Oh, we've lost her. She clicked X on She clicked X on the wrong thing, and she's back. Sorry. You clicked the X. You try to log in to leave a comment. No, it's all right. I'll find it, and I'll put it back up. I'll um, just do one thing at one time. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, I'll just quickly knock it out. Um, what were the biggest challenges while running the NZ Girl publication? So pre-Flossy, uh, pre give a quick context and, and go. Oh, you're making me go back a long way. Actually, over the weekend, I found a, um, a suitcase of uh, stuff, because, you know, like everybody's doing, just kind of clearing out your house in some way. Um, and the, the suitcase, about this big full of um, NZ Girl media things over the years. <laughs> it's like, how many different haircuts Janine can have in 20 years? But can I just point out, I was 20 and I am 42 this year. So ask me about these girls going back a really long time. Wanting, wanting to know. So what's, what was no, it going? I know. And it was an amazing journey and I was very um, 
fortunate and naive. So uh, I was a kid. Uh, I didn't know anything about anything. Just for the record, I still don't. Um, <laughs> still completely making it up as I go along. That's what I do. Um, and uh, it was a crazy ride, and uh, it, it afforded me a huge uh, career opportunity to be in innovation um, and be at the the at the face of that, um, as in being you know one of the people who has the opportunity to go and make stuff up and people back um, back me to do so. Uh, and so. It was hard uh, and it was challenging because when I first started in Girl, there was no such thing um, as uh, social media. There was no Facebook, you know, it was the first year of Google. Uh, there was no survey monkey. So when I wanted to interview my audience, I'd have to go like literally knocking on doors. Uh, <laughs> I've never sold advertising before my life. There was no online advertising. Agencies just thought, you know, this interweb thing is going to go away. Uh, so it was really hard graph for a really long time. Um, and then through my early 20s, uh, it actually really took off and we made quite a lot of money. I spent a lot of money. I <laughs> didn't keep any of it. Um, we, we also created a lot of other businesses out of it. So we had um, 18 Limited, which was a research company, and we sold that. Uh, I had this foolish notion of creating a retail business out of it as we had three retail stores. Um, and the recession hit, and so we got out of those, we sold those. Um, and uh, we were lucky to get out uh, with our shirts on. And um, then we, from there, created um, an ad network, uh, which unfortunately got annihilated in the um, recession. Yeah, yeah that, that sucked. Uh, it was quite, um, it was quite an experience. Uh, and then after that, Enzo Girl um, became part of Bloggers Club, which we created. And I don't know if you know many of you have heard of that, but we were the original blogger talent agency, 400 bloggers um, and inf influencers as part of that. Um, Pre-influencer branding, right? Yeah, and a couple of years when we had How To Dad and all those sorts of um, dudes on board, um, commercializing them and giving them sponsorship money and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I went, you know what, I've got too much on my plate and uh, philosophy is a huge opportunity and uh, I've been waiting my whole life or pushing my whole life for this and um, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to move to London and that's where the opportunity is and I shut everything. Every time I tried to sell it, it wanted me to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. The power, the, the power and the personal brand alongside platform. Is yeah. Was that maybe was that the biggest challenge? Is that you you as a, a, a personal brand as such was so intrinsically linked with the business that people didn't think that, that it could survive without you? Um, I think I need to girl that was probably true, although I didn't run it for the last sort of ten years. And actually it was still making uh, half a million a year um in advertising when I closed it. Um but it really wasn't serving any purpose to me. I mean, I wasn't making any money out of it, wasn't taking any director's fees, it was essentially just you know, um, wiping its nose, which was great, but doesn't really add a lot of value at that point. Um, and uh, we even offered it to the team, you know, whether they wanted to take it up. But then for me, it was so attached to me personally, the idea of other people picking it up and running with it. Um, too personal, too close. Yeah, you know, it's a really bizarre experience to grow up alongside a business. <laughs> And every time you do an interview, someone asks you about it. <laughs> so you imagine you know, what you did when you were 20, suddenly follows yep. you around the rest of your life. Hey, um, I'm surprised he was in there. He knew. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And I, and I, and I'm really I'm proud of it. I still wear an NZ Girl t-shirt occasionally. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that uh, in the future people will remember it for other things. <laughs> the um, One of the things you said before was interesting. You said that you think that this will be the, some, and a different version will come back after this around Corona. I'm no scientist or doctor, but my pick is, is that there's, we're at the beginning of viruses being something that's pretty common happens all the time if you think about it we've always had viruses you know you go, you go to the doctor in flu season and they inspect you and they go mm, yeah you haven't got an infection you've got a virus you know but you know can't do anything for you drink fluids rest plenty you'll take a few weeks to get out of your system right we always used to have that have that happen to us at some stage this is really i mean aside from sars the first globally branded virus and that, I think, is what's going to have changed. Um, you know, the media are part of that. They, they create huge amounts of fear. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, no conspiracy theories here. I think we're doing exactly the right things right now. Very proud of our, um, our country's government for doing what we're doing. I think it's the right thing to do. And from how sick I was, if anyone at home is thinking that this is just something that hits the old people and we should just let herd immunity come in and let the old people get sick and, you know, whatever. No, no. I know at least 15 people who have been sick now with it in London and all of them are around my age and they have been desperately sick and they've been hospitalised and some have been on ventilators. None of them had pre-existing conditions, neither did I, and it had me on my knees. It is not pleasant to hear. The the coughing that coughing video you did on facey was staffed that was like what did it feel like it was like your insides were literally just destroyed just couldn't breathe properly it was just constant you know that whole tickle you get where it just makes you constantly constantly cough and cough and cough claire told me off a lot for that video uh <laughs> she said maybe you posted that i thought you were gonna die and i'm really unhappy it's not fair that you did that you didn't give me any warning and then i saw it on social media and to be honest, I don't remember my first two weeks home. Really? Like, yeah, completely compartmentalised it. Uh, it's, it's somewhere at the back there. Uh, so, of course, husband's not overly happy that I created a social media storm in amongst that. <laughs> like, you're doing individual hospital bed. What were you thinking? Eh? Uh, like, stuff <laughs> up. <laughs> no, it, yeah. And they the, needed reasons. So that's where my theory was. Yeah, there's the, the, the idea of like the fear-based economy of never, I don't know if it, we just made that up or that's a thing or not, but I totally, I can see that, you mm -hmm. know, and, and as a like pro, or I guess react reactively, everyone is going to have to navigate and, and shift their business models and what, what products and services they actually do provide into that world. And if they don't work with those standards of the expectations of the, of the, of the masses, not only are the people not going to mess with them, they'll just get, you know, just flicked off to the side because people won't think they're actually serious enough about, about health and safety first. Right. Yeah, no, you, um, the way I'm looking at it's even like reviews uh, on, our, on, on, on Flossie and all the other platforms around the world, um, anything is now be considered pre and post COVID. Uh, any reviews that were done before COVID will now be, to be honest, irrelevant. They are off a different time where customers had different expectations. Um, and there needs to be new standards set, and everybody needs to take those really seriously, not just uh, do it for the sake of optics but actually um for the genuine safety of people who um are coming into their environments and, and i would expect that some of our health and safety laws will change around that i think we'll see directed liability around that too 
Um, and the government will have to step in to help on those things. Like, you know, as I say, like sick pay, I think will have to be somehow government funded because there's just no way businesses will be able to afford to extend the additional leave requirements um, to, to cover that off. But, you know, just lots and lots of things are going to have to change. But also I think it's going to change uh, so many other areas. I, I can't imagine, to be honest, and it's going to be really suck to hear if you're a clothing retailer, but I, I can't imagine buying clothes right now. I can't imagine going oh, for trying on the clothes. Um, actually, just, it sort of feels like now we've broken the cycle of um, mass consumerism. Uh, okay. You know, when we're seeing the fact that the earth is healing, uh, you know, the plane travel has decreased, God, I was the worst offender of the lot. Um, and, you know, we know that these were changes that had to happen. Kind of feels a little arrogant to go back to the way that we were doing it as though nothing's changed. I think the minimalism side of it, that's what I was uh, thinking about um, last little bit, is I think it's kind of going to grow quite rapidly because people are going to be, oh, I actually don't need that, that. Oh, I actually don't need this. And there's going to be that next layer of, of questioning in front of it, right? I'm seriously considering growing out this grey. I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, what happens if it all grows grey? And uh, maybe then I put pink on top of it. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I don't need my lashes any longer. And I'm quite happy. To, I've got beautiful clothes. I'm happy to have the clothes that I've got. Um, the advice I keep giving to everybody is save every dollar you possibly can because the uh, ramifications from an economic point of view haven't even begun. Yeah, go, go there for a second. What's your, who's going to get smoked? Uh, I, don't, I don't know who, but lots. Basically, we're going to see at least a sort of 30% cull of businesses uh, and we will see double-digit unemployment as a result. There will be some yin and yang in here as well. I, I, um, I think it's about 50,000 uh, people come in on a tourist uh, working visa at the moment you know, picking grapes and fruit and, and things like that. Um, so I've got a friend that runs a horticulture business in Blenheim and they bring in thousands of um, people from Thailand every year because New Zealanders don't want to pick grapes and they can't can't get lo locals to do it. Um, so actually I think those sorts of things will change where we go, actually, you're going to need a job and uh, there aren't going to be enough of them. Uh, so that'll change uh, property markets, you know, obviously house values are going to take at least five years to recover from where they are. Um, terrible time to have own a property in Queenstown. Um, obviously, tourism is going to be taking a massive hit. Even domestic tourism, I think, will struggle. People will be very conscious of those bubbles again. You know, and this may not go on forever. Once you, know, you get to a level of people feeling comfortable that they either have been sick or not going to get sick, complacency naturally will come back through but my pick and again i'm not not a scientist so this is just reckon which we all hate uh <laughs> is that this won't be the first time um you know it won't be the last time we, we will see we will see more of this these sort of health crises coming through especially now that media brands are seeing it as a way to get huge eyeballs and there's no doubt about it that they feel massive yeah massive. the the branding of this thing's got going to win some awards at Cannes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's taking the idea of viral, but <laughs> actual viral. Um, so where to from from here for, for you? Home, safe, sound, reset. Body's feeling better, clear and free so far. We <laughs> headspace. Oh, 
perfect timing. <laughs> get, get, get. Yeah. What's next for you? Um, well, I mean, obviously we've got a lot of work to do. The team are busy, busy um, reskinning some of the elements of the now tools to get them ready for handling these new hygiene practices and, and giving that sort of confidence. And so um, we get to showcase that to our network partners this week. So I, my, my new life looks like late nights, early mornings to deal with time zones. So I'm going to be napping in the middle of the day. That's yep. uh, <laughs> an unfortunate thing of being here versus there. Um, I can't imagine uh, that I will be on a plane anytime soon. Um, I don't think any of us will be for a long while. Uh, so my daughter's in France still, um, but she's in the countryside. So uh, we hope to get her home um, uh, probably by November. But she's really, she's really safe where she is. She's been well looked after, um, and you know, really lucky for the fam and grateful for the family who are doing that. So yeah, no, it's just a head down, bum up on um, getting tools ready to be able to help um, with, with with the regrowth, as I'm calling it. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, the uh, allow people to rebuild their businesses um, with the right tools to make customers feel really comfortable. And, and I suspect the model we create in there might be usable for other industries and, I don't know, always open to it's the, Yeah, if you're building that whole service back-end framework, it's, I'm no doubt can copy-paste into different verticals. So I'm sure that IP is going to be sitting something pretty, pretty, pretty. So you, it's kind of a good space from a, from a tech side and, you know, shit, your, your family, it may be bad for you having to nap in the daytime with, with your makeup on, but I'm sure your, fa your family's happier because you're home, right? Yeah, I'm home. This is the first day I've worn makeup in a month, to be fair. Oh, um, the, oh th I, th I think I was expecting like this full, like. <laughs> yeah, mask and everything. Like, no, now that I'm COVID free, yeah, I get, to, um, I get to act a little bit differently. And um, as I say, London, hang on, where am I? Back to front. London represent. That's as close as it's going to get <laughs> for, for the next little while. Anyway, I really yeah. appreciate your time, and it's so good to, um, man, see you safe because it has been crazy to watch. And for any of any of those who've seen your Facebook videos and just yeah, literal yeah. carnage over the last month, I'm sure I speak on everyone's behalf to say we're stoked that you're happy and healthy and safe, man. Because geez, running running a line for a minute there, huh? <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't seen it, you can jump on my Instagram and you can see them all on there and the, the journey I've posted through it. But um, yeah, the message I just keep giving to everyone is don't don't be um, pushing to, to jump out of this uh, lockdown sooner than we need. I'm, I'm as aware of the economy as anyone, uh, but actually if we bounce out of this too quickly, we will um, we'll bounce right back in. There will be a second wave as we're seeing in lots of places around the world. So I think the advice that the government's getting is really smart. They're very clear leadership, and I really like that there is um, a lot of uniting together. There's not, it's not being politicised at the moment. You know, both parties working well. There's no strong opposition. It's great, and we should all take the same approach. How do you add value? If you're in a position to add value, add value. What can you do? Yeah, it's that. Yeah, me measure was it measure twice, cut once, do it right. The first time or else you get stuck in that second wave which will cause it even gnarly because the, there'll be an uproar if they they slip and then have to go into it again and everyone's just like ah now it's july it's winter it's cold ah it's gonna be a shit show yeah i think we should all, all expect that we're going to be inside for, for a few months yet, but. yeah 
um, appreciate your time. I know um, I'm, I'm, I feel honoured that I'm the I'm, I'm one of the first calls to get makeup from you in the in the last <laughs> last month. So well done. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> stay safe. Stay good. And, and shot again. Yeah. Good talking to you. And I'm stoked that you're you're happy. Stay good, eh? Yeah. Thanks. And uh, keep having me on. And uh, good day. All right. See you soon. Okay. Later. Bye. Oh, one of the, such a weapon. Jeez, she's had a crazy couple of months. Um, check her out on her Instagram, uh, powered by Flossie. Um, really interesting insights to the world of service-based businesses, um, this new fair economy and the, the updated um, hygiene standards, what it's going to mean for commerce, services, and a whole bunch of bits and pieces in between. Pretty solid banter. Shit, she's gnarly. Jeez. All right. Uh, see you all soon, team. Stay good. Stay safe. See you soon. Deuces.